Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Energy Transition, Episode 21. Premature Energy Transition. Good to see you both, Serena Slav and David Blackman. Good morning, good afternoon. Good morning. Hello, hello. Shutting down fossil power plants without having enough renewables energy available is one of the reasons for the premature energy transition, Irina? Uh, well, yeah, it's uh, it's emerging now that uh, the energy transition, the way it was planned, uh, was a bit premature. Uh, I mean, uh, politicians were trying to do everything really quickly, more quickly than was sensible, I would say. And now we are seeing that it, it couldn't work, uh, this race to secure any fossil fuels really coal oil gas it's you know it's open season for fossil fuels even though um uh, you know those in charge continue to to say that we need to to go renewable we need to build more wind and more solar but right now we need more fossil fuels so they're waking up to the reality that um you know just building up wind and solar capacity is not enough. It cannot be done quickly enough. It, it, there are physical material constraints uh, to that. And it's not really sensible because I'm not hearing about any solar wind uh, records uh, in output uh, being broken right now. And it's summer uh, in Europe. Uh, we should be seeing a lot of solar output and we are seeing a lot of solar output. Wind is uh, a bit, it depends on the country because you can't trust the weather, as I like to say. So now they're racing to secure as much fossil fuels, uh, fossil fuel supplies as they can. Emissions have taken, you know, the back seat right now. And David, uh, we can reach with renewables a level to replace partially uh, the fossil fuels or it will take a long time. Well, it, yes, it will take a long time. Uh, it take a lot longer than the governments of Europe and the United States uh, had imagined. Uh, and I think what everyone, I hope at least, what everyone is, is finally figuring out now is that there are limits uh, to to renewables ability to, to replace fossil fuel in general, and that we're never going to achieve a full transition, that, that that is something that's really not achievable. And just due to the limits of the laws of physics and thermodynamics and things we've discussed in the past, um, you, you know, but we are, I, I, for example, in Texas, Texas is a great example. You know, we've spent the last 20 years subsidizing wind 
and now solar, uh, we're having a big build out of solar in the state. And, and this summer, uh, wind and solar are generating record new highs uh, in terms of, of generation on our electricity grid in Texas. And that's all wonderful uh, until you get into a major crisis like we saw February of last year when, you know, because the problems uh, continue to be that wind and solar are terrific when the weather's right. They're really terrific. And they, they can be inexpensive uh, when deployed properly on, a, on an integrated grid. But when the weather is not right, when you have a major uh, weather event like the winter storm, URI, that caused uh, the failure of the Texas grid in February of 2021, uh, they become immediately pretty useless. And then if you don't have enough fossil fuel capacity or nuclear capacity uh, to, to take up the slack, or if your plants freeze up, as happened in Texas during that event, uh, then you end up with a disaster and people die as a result. And so as I, it, it just is a reality that these are fine sources of energy. They really are. And I know I always sound, sound like I'm bad-mouthing them, but my advocacy is, you know, they're great as long as they're managed properly and as long as everyone lives in the real world and understands their limitations. And, and Rena has written so many good stories here uh, this year about what's been happening in Europe. Um, you know, and what I'm hoping is, I'm really hopeful, although we continue to see signs it isn't happening, but I'm hopeful these leaders of these countries are finally coming to live in the real world. And that's why you see this scramble for fossil fuels and requests for waivers on emissions and things like that. That are, that are coming from these governments in Germany and other European countries. I, I think maybe we're having a great awakening here where energy policy is concerned. Irina, to avoid this premature uh, transition, what the governments should do? What's exactly the roadmap for this solution? Uh, well, I think that uh, on the most basic level, uh, they should slow down and re reconsider their plans for net zero, uh, maybe, um, uh, you know, maybe extend these deadlines they are setting themselves, uh, 55% uh, uh, reduction in emissions by 2030. It's really, they're setting themselves um, unrealistic goals. So it's what I've been saying again and again. Uh, maybe just stop and think and start planning things better. Uh, as David says, both wind and solar are great sources of energy, but they are not as reliable as we need uh, our energy to be. So it's, uh, it's a great thing to, uh, for example, to incentivize with subsidies rooftop solar. It's a great idea to uh, reduce permit times for such installations. I mean, here in Bulgaria, and we're kind of backward uh, in this uh, respect, uh, a lot more backward than uh, Germany, it takes about a year and a half to put a rooftop solar installation on the rooftop. 
uh, and it's it, it's really a tough process. It's annoying, and you really have to be very motivated to go through with it. That's now not how you you should do it. Uh, uh, and then also encouraging, for example, factories that have the land. It's not arable land. It's not farmland. Uh, it's yards, for example. They can put solar there. Encourage this. Encourage it uh, more than you are now. But stop making these huge plans and talking uh, generally about massive investments in wind and solar without giving any specifics. I mean, there must be specifics somewhere in the plans. But I'm worried about <laughs> I'm worried about the timelines. I mean, I hope there are specifics. Uh, but I'm worried about the timelines. It's like we're in this huge rush and we're ready to spend anything, ready to do whatever it takes, just to hit uh, these uh, rather arbitrary goals, because they are arbitrary. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, as David said, now reality is beginning to set in that we need fossil fuels. We can't escape from them as quickly as uh, no. some thought we would. Maybe try to factor this in and stop stop pushing, you know, just just slow down a bit and be more realistic. David, why the world does not mention the impacts and downsides of uh, uh, renewables? I mean, mining. Uh, what's the reason? What's the hidden uh, reasons that we have in this? Uh, well, it, it, so much of it has to do with, with the fact that we have the wrong class of people making these energy decisions. We have, we have the, the political class makes all these decisions. And politicians are notorious for saying whatever they think they need to say to get reelected next time. And so we end up with all these narratives in the news media uh, that are based on complete fantasies, uh, just complete fantasies but they make for good, attractive talking points and political campaigns in the West. I'm talking about in the Western world, Europe and the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, and South America, Brazil is, is another great example of this as well. And, and it, you know, when you have that class of people making decisions, all they're going to do is mess things up. And, and that's exactly what we've seen uh, in, in all these countries. And it's why we have such a major energy crisis today. Um, because the narrative has been that we can just uh, debt spend our way into this energy, this glorious energy future. You know, like Biden says, this beautiful transition is the reason why we have high gasoline prices and you're just gonna have to, you should be happy about them because it's all part of the transition. Well, no, and, and now we're finding out that that's not really how things work in the real world. And uh, we're going to have to do things differently. And, and you know, in the United States, and I, I, I'd be interested to know what you're seeing in Europe and South America about this. In the United States now, wind and solar are starting to become targets of, of the protester class, the environmental protesters, because they take up so much land and they disrupt habitats of so many species of animals and they kill so many birds. And, uh, you know, and, and they're going to have, they have these enormous physical footprints. And what one thing we're going to have to really see, particularly from, I think, solar, because it's a lot more flexible, 
is a focus less on these enormous solar farms that take up thousands and thousands of acres of land um, and more rooftop solar and not just on homes, but on these big box stores. If you fly over any city in the United States, there's all these white flat rooftops that would be ideal for the installation of solar. And, and that's gonna have to become the future, I think, of, of renewables is these rooftop applications, applications that don't occupy land or kill animals or disrupt their habitats. And, uh, you know, so this is all in great flux and, and it's all a product of, of having the wrong people being the decision makers. And, yeah. and we see it now at the G7 summit as well. Yeah. Irina, we are in favor of renewables, of course, and but the point is not to be in favor or, or against. Is the speed is make adequate to 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 make security energy security. This is the point, no? Uh, yes, this is this is the main point. And also, as David just said, uh, instead of focusing on huge sprawling solar farms far away from the grid, because it it, it is important solar installations uh, are much better placed somewhere where there is already a grid connection. Uh, because it's cheaper to deploy. Um, uh, you know, do the, uh, the practical thing, put them on rooftops. Uh, put uh, wind farms uh, where they are not so risky for wildlife and where you don't have to clear up forests because that's deforestation <laughs> in order to install them. Same with solar, by the way. Uh, don't uh, don't go with all in on these two, uh, you know, so-called renewable sources. And the reason I say so-called is uh, because of what you mentioned. They need finite mineral and metal resources. They don't spring out into existence on their own. We will need a lot more mining in order to do this net zero transition. Intense mining. Yes, very intense mining of finite, again, finite resources. Yeah. So while uh, solar energy as is, uh, energy from the sun is renewable, the sun is there and wind is there, although not constantly and not everywhere. The, uh, the technology we need to capture this energy and uh, you know, translate it into, turn it into electricity, uh, requires finite resources, non-renewable resources, even if some of them are recyclable. So it's not as easy and as uh, sunshiny as uh, politicians are trying to present it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, David, uh, your post from today uh, about G7 deciding uh, <laughs> is crazy. Oh, Brilliant. It's, it, is, it is so nuts. I mean, so... For those who haven't seen it, uh, the G7 announced Sunday, uh, President Biden and the, the leaders of the other countries, that they're going to try to enforce a global price cap on Russian oil exports. Now, think about the hubris involved in that statement. These are seven countries, Canada, the United States, and five European countries, who believe they, they are going to convince the rest of the world to place an artificial cap on the price of Russian oil. Now, Brazil is part of the BRICS 
coalition. Yeah. Brazil, Russia, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. That is an extraordinarily powerful economic powerhouse coalition of countries with billions and billions of, of population. And, and for the G7 to think that the BRICS countries are just going to abandon their priorities and their compelling national security interests to, to put a price cap on the major export of one of their member countries sorry. Is, is ludicrous. <laughs> it's absolutely ludicrous. And, and I just, I, I read that story and almost fainted. I mean, really and truly to think that I mean, it's just the most absurd thing yet. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like I say almost every day, it just gets worse every day in terms of the absurd political proposals that come, come out of these countries. And, and I, I just, I think I owe you an apology, Armando, because my country think it's going to try to impose that on your country, which yeah. is just yeah. absurd. Impressive. Absolutely. Impressive, Irina. Yeah, yeah it, it really is like a joke. Uh, it's, a, it's a sad joke, but uh, it, yeah, it really sad. is ludicrous. Uh, I mean, they don't just have to convince the BRICS countries and every other <laughs> important uh, importer of Russian oil they have to somehow force Russia to say, yeah, okay, we'll sell our oil cheaply. <laughs> Do they not think of the possibility, I don't know how slim this possibility is, that Russia will say, okay, we won't export any oil. Yeah. They just have to do this for a week. Sure. Yeah, the price they will be $200 a barrel, you know, exactly, instead of 100 Exactly, right? exactly. I mean, it, it feels like uh, these, uh, the, not just the G7 leaders, but uh, uh, most, if not all, uh, Western uh, leaders do not plan for contingencies. They do not uh, think about every possibility, and they must, because yeah. we're talking about energy security for billions of people. You really need to plan for any contingency, not just for the outcome you would like to see. And I feel this yeah. is what, what they're doing right now. This is not how you do it. It seems like children are playing the playground. Yes. yes. It is. That's exactly. What a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent conversation from today, uh, Monday. It was a pleasure for me, Irina Slav and Dave Blackman. Thank you so much. Pleasure, too. The highlight Thank of my week. Thank you both. Thank Thanks. you. Have a great Bye -bye. week. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.